0: Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey friends, it's Rena Olson. Welcome to the Relevate Podcast. In this episode, my friend, Dr. Ann Price, a community psychologist, is here to share more about what it means to be a partner for social change. In this conversation, we touch on some deep and complex societal issues. My wise friend, Ann, provides some absolutely great insight on what we are dealing with as a country and how we can begin to come together and move ahead. This is a timely and very important conversation. Dr. Ann Price, welcome to the Relevate podcast. (laughs)
1: Well, thank you. Rena, we've been friends for so long. It's always so weird when you call me Dr. Price. I know,
0: I know. But that's, hey, you worked hard for that title, so I'm going to use it occasionally.
1: Yeah, I I appreciate that. But yeah, I, I have great respect for people who didn't get a PhD so I guess it always feels funny even after 20 years when people call me Dr. Price. Dr. Price. Wear it wear it, <laughs> sister. <laughs> Sometimes it does come in handy.
0: So in addition to having your PhD you're an author, you're an entrepreneur, you're now a podcast host, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a person of faith. I mean wow you got a lot going on, sister. You're a grandmother.
1: I am. So fun.
0: So for those that may not be familiar with who you are, tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Well, you did a pretty good job of introducing me. Yeah, so I am a community psychologist and an evaluator, and I help community leaders leverage their data to better tell their story. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what I do. Um, Who I am is definitely... uh, someone who comes from a perspective of faith, and um, I try to bring that to everything I do. Mm -hmm. That may not always be obvious in my professional space. I hope it is, but it's it's not necessarily front and center. But people like you who've known me forever know that's Mm kind of where my heart is. I feel like I was called to this work. I always knew I was going to get my PhD. I always knew I was going to be a psychologist. I thought I wanted to be a clinician and wanted to help individuals. But as I got into communities and started doing the work, especially when I started working with addicted adolescents Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was, um, just so tough to see these kids come into treatment, so broken. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course they're crying coming in and they're crying going out, (sighs) uh, but we had to, you know, discharge them. Sometimes they were still very ill. The family was still very ill. And many of them didn't make it. And it just broke my heart. I was so burnt out uh, that I really asked myself, um, you know, what is, there's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a better way than just treating individuals. So I found community psychology. And community psychology is all about uh how people relate in communities and what is it about communities that impact what we do? So, fast forward 20 something years, I kind of left that clinical, you know, behind uh, to go into community psychology.
0: Wow. Well, before I met you, I'd never really heard that term, didn't know that a community psychology. It, Existed right. that that was a, a practice. And I find it just so interesting. I'm so glad that we're here today to have that conversation because change can happen on a lot of levels. For me, I think, you know, within your home, that's really where you have the greatest opportunity to influence and to affect change in your home, in your community. But what you're doing, it's on a much bigger scale. And I just, I'm so proud of the work you're doing in just Helping communities—I mean, that's just a, that's a much bigger lever to be willing to kind of get in in there and find those root causes. We'll get into a little bit more right, about that, right. but I think as a nation, we need to we need to be paying more attention, and we need to be getting involved with with more of these things that really matter. So,
1: right, yeah, I think we it, can yeah, we can dig into that a little yeah, bit, yeah, exactly, and I. I know a lot of people don't. Well, what they assume that I do therapy, right? Um, so, oh, you yeah. do therapy, yeah. right? And like, no, I used to, but I really don't any, yeah. anymore. So, yeah, we can talk about what that is. But uh, yeah, so when I'm not out in communities, I'm usually puttering in my garden. I wish somebody could tell me why my tomatoes are already turning yellow uh, uh, or baking sourdough bread. Well, I was
0: hoping you would bring me one of those two things. Today, yeah, well, they're <laughs> not they're not ripe yet.
1: You know, that's part of, you know, who I am, too. I'm somebody who loves to to piddle in my garden and make sourdough bread. And don't follow me. Don't follow me on Instagram for the business because it's all about whatever I bake that day it has nothing to do with um, community evaluation solutions. But anyway, so that's that's a big part of who I am. I love that.
0: Help us understand more about your business, Community Evaluation Solutions, and more about the importance of evaluation as a tool in helping drive social change.
1: Okay, great. So I founded Community Evaluation Solutions in 2004. I had graduated from Georgia State with my PhD in 2000, went to work Uh, about part-time when my youngest was just kind of a toddler. I wanted to work part-time at a big social science research firm and uh, was recruited out of there to head the uh, Office of Child and Youth Protection at the Archdiocese of Atlanta in the height of the sex abuse crisis. That did not last very Mm. long for a variety of reasons, Uh, but Mm. that's when I founded my business. It's so funny. I found a card that I had sketched. Years ago, like I must have been daydreaming about having my own business and it said Mm. Community Evaluation Solutions. Uh, And um, I found it like in the midst of all of that and founded the business. I had the intention of uh, serving and doing program evaluation, which is all about uh, looking at community programs, state, federally funded programs, nonprofits to see Mm -hmm. whether or not they're effective. So um, the thing you should know is that a lot of community psychologists are in academic settings. They're professors mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. I was pretty clear I didn't want to do yeah. that. I didn't think I had mm-hmm. that personality. I love teaching. That's, uh, but I really didn't want that whole, I don't academic know. Academic thing. All, yeah, all that academic thing. I really wanted to be in communities. And so community psychologists who are not academics usually end up practitioners. And the, the, the easiest way to do that or one of the most common ways is to be a program evaluator. So anyway, long story short, that's how I founded the business, and that's what we do. So we evaluate all sorts of um, community coalitions and collaboratives. Uh, We work with national organizations. We work with a lot of public health programs. So kind of a variety Mm -hmm. of things, but always with the intent of making sure that whoever gets that funding is being a good steward of the money. What they're exactly. doing is effective, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, time and resources are short. We right. want to make sure that we're being very effective and certainly that we're not doing any harm mm-hmm. to any of the programs that we work with. So,
0: For sure. And having worked for a nonprofit, and I know this is, you know, a lot of nonprofits are small. They don't have that expertise to really – capture the data to analyze the results you know because you know you have to have that com- component a lot of nonprofits are great at storytelling but they they're they're not great at that data collection right. and you have to have that
1: right and i love the storytelling part for me it's all about uh, program or strategy improvement and use. That's mm-hmm. what gets me excited. Mm-hmm. My high school teacher will tell, math teacher will tell you, oh my gosh, you had to take five graduate level classes in statistics. I never would have predicted that, <laughs> right? I, I don't I don't think Mr. Patterson, Mr. Patterson definitely would be shocked. Uh, but to me, it's not about the data. It's about how we use the data. It's a scary trajectory for right. <laughs> a
0: lot of people. Everybody's going, check that off the list. I'm not going to be a yeah, community well, psychologist. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I didn't think I would do it either, but it, to me it's, you know, it's not the, the end, it's the means to the end. And the end is about use, the end is about making uh, programs and communities better. I don't know if I told you this, but I'm actually planning a course on evaluation for non-evaluators, because go. we tend to speak in very jargony language mm-hmm. that um, is very intimidating. So I try really hard to speak in a way that's very accessible mm-hmm. and not you know, intimidating when I talk about evaluation. So I'm all about success stories. I'm all about using data. Um, and, you know, big secret here, most of the data that we, that we use as evaluators is really pretty simple. It's really descriptives and means and averages, things like that. It's yes. not necessarily complicated, mm-hmm. but to your point, a lot of nonprofits just don't have that capacity to sure. do that internally. And that's where a program evaluator can help. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, for sure.
0: Okay, I've heard you talk about root causes a lot. um, Because to impact true change, whether in communities or our own personal lives, that's really where you have to begin is is to figure out the root cause. Dr. Price, please help us understand more about that.
1: Well, the story I like to talk about in communities Uh, to help them understand what root causes are and you may have heard this story so imagine if you are hiking in the woods with your new puppy and your Mm -hmm. hubby and uh you're hiking along a lake maybe it's got you know bubbling rocks a little bit of white water and you see a child coming down the lake coming down the river or the lake uh and they're in distress Mm -hmm. and so you reach out the branch, and you pull that child out of the water. Before you can even get them to the shore, here comes another one, right? Mm -hmm. And you reach out, and you fish that child out of the water, and here comes another one, and here comes another one. Eventually, you might ask yourself, well, golly gee, Bobby, what's (laughs) going on at the top of the river? Mm -hmm. Why are all these kids falling in the water? That's kind of the metaphor that I use, and a lot of people use to talk about root causes. So rather than just fishing that mm-hmm. child out of the water or that family out of the water, whatever that crisis is, why don't we go upstream and ask ourselves the why? And so there's several ways you can get to root causes, like the five whys is one of them. Why is that child fi- falling in the water? What's happening upstream? Why, 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 why? Until mm-hmm. you get to the root because mm-hmm. And then you can design an intervention that will actually work. So in the work I do with drug-free communities, for example, in order to develop a strategy to prevent, say, alcohol use, because that's pretty much the number one drug of choice for kids starting out is alcohol. So we look at what the root causes are. Why are our children drinking Mm -hmm. at the rate they do? And the answer to that question is very dependent on the environment. Mm -hmm. So we live in a beautiful rural setting where a lot of parents think it's a rite of passage, that it's perfectly okay for their kids to drink at home. Uh, And they either provide access or maybe turn a blind eye. I have three children. You have two children. We certainly can relate to that whole trajectory and Mm -hmm. trying to get your kids through that. But say we go across town about an hour and a half over to UGA, for example. The reason why kids are drinking there is very different, right? There's, I don't even know, 300 and something bars in downtown Athens, mm-hmm. many of whom do not card, for example. Mm-hmm. So, so the reason why kids have access to alcohol is very different than a rural setting. So that's an example of what, mm-hmm. what I mean by root causes. Mm-hmm. Getting to the heart of the root cause helps you design an intervention That will be effective. Right.
0: So in your work, do you help organizations figure that out? Yeah. Is that part of your job? Right.
1: That's part of the process. And it can be a challenge because a lot of the folks that we work with are very passionate. They're grassroots kind of people. Mm -hmm. They believe they have the solutions. So part of what I want to do as a community psychologist is to uh, get to that root cause. But we can't get to the root cause until we know that the community that is most affected by Mm -hmm. that problem is at the proverbial table, right? Because Mm -hmm. if they're not at the table, we may be picking an intervention that really is not going to apply. And we see this all the time in substance abuse, to get back to that example, where you have a bunch of well-meaning, loving adults who assume they know what's really going on, but if you don't have those kids at the table, you're probably missing that root cause or that why. Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: Well, I'm interested to know you work with a lot of organizations, a lot of coalitions. Um, in your opinion, what is kind of the number one thing we're dealing with right now as a as a nation?
1: You know, um, I'm going to give you maybe an answer that that is not expected and but I think it's really important it's not one thing we want it to be we want things to be really simple but they're not they're really complex so um, if you think about poverty for example right poverty unemployment education racism all those things are so complex yes. so we we really need to resist the urge of well, if we could just fix this one thing, everything else will fall into place. That's, that's probably unrealistic. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's really hard for communities because you've got to get your hand around a piece of the pie, right? That you can make an impact on Mm -hmm. whatever that is. So, sorry. So you're not not going to answer that. (laughs) Well, I think that is the answer. (laughs) I think it, I, I think um, complexity is really important and, in my training as a community psychologist, that is that is kind of our mindset. Mm-hmm. So we might have individual factors, and it, they're usually things we can't do anything about, right? Mm-hmm. Our IQ is our IQ. Can't really change that um, too much, in my, at least in my opinion. In my opinion, I think that's, the research is pretty clear about that. Our personalities are pretty set, right? Unless we have a huge, coarse, uh, traumatic life event like a death or a divorce, our personalities are kind of. we we, hopefully we improve Mm -hmm. right as people as christians we hope we improve we get better over time but we have that and then we have the influence our family our families to your point Mm -hmm. and then we have our communities within the communities we live in a state within a country Mm -hmm. right within a world so that's what i when community psychologists talk about uh, environmental context that's what we're talking about there's multiple layers of complexity So I once evaluated this after-school program for the city of Atlanta, and I remember um, speaking to the advisory board, and one of the advisory board members said, well, we want all of our kids in this after-school program to be 100% competent in uh, math and language arts. And I leaned over to my colleague, and I said, well, I'm probably about to get us fired here. And I I said, you know, that's a lofty goal. That's a beautiful aspirational goal. Mm -hmm. And it's probably not realistic. Mm -hmm. You are asking this after-school program, this two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour after-school program to do what that family, what that school, what this city, what this state, Mm -hmm. what this country cannot do. Mm -hmm. Can we have a smaller goal? Can we love on these kids? Can we give them a snack? Can we give them a safe place? Can we provide some tutoring, help them read just a little bit better? Right. Because the issues are so so complex. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying we should settle. That is not what I'm saying. I, Um, I hear you. But we can't fix it all. Right. And
0: almost every episode I talk about baby steps and that's how, that's the only way you affect change. And I think, you know, you set the goal too high. You take those baby steps and you don't, take that trajectory that you hope it would take and then you get disheartened and you abandon the whole thing right exactly
1: and then you resort to well the child didn't work yeah though it didn't work the child wasn't trying they didn't really care the families didn't care about their child and we make all sorts of of assumptions about people without understanding and anybody who's um, been through family therapy know what I'm talking about right so changing the family can be really Um, difficult and changing community generations exactly and unfortunately we don't always have the patience or the attention span that it takes to really make that change so that's why I said well it's complex yeah
0: well and I You know, my hope in having somebody like you on the podcast is we need to be in, we need to be paying attention more. We need to be, we, the the people of this country who may not be aware of the issues, you know, aware of the solution, aware of the organizations. It's, I mean, I just want to encourage people to find something that you care about, where you feel you can make a difference right. in terms of volunteering or donating or serving on a board. You know, we all have the capacity and the ability to serve in some way.
1: Yeah. That's and ex- I think
0: a lot of people are just taking a big fat pass. I'm too busy. I'm, to, I'm too this, too whatever. But let's just stop it. It's, you know, we, we've got some serious issues that it's going to take everybody. hmm To care and to get involved. I mean, you don't have to do everything, but find something.
1: Exactly. Right. And so I would say, even though the answers or the root causes are complex, our contribution does not have to be complex Mm because I listen to your podcast. And was it Andy Stanley who said, find the thing that breaks your heart? I've heard you quote him all the time about that. (laughs) And I thought about that this morning when I thought thought about speaking to you about this podcast is that's, that's what I would be all about. Right. So I have a big passion for uh, children in foster care. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with uh, Georgia Appleseed and Georgia Casa and some other organizations around kids in foster Mm -hmm. care. So when I had the opportunity to serve on SAFT, which Mm -hmm. is based in Cumming and Hall County and they serve. Uh, kids and families and foster care i jumped at the chance sure and i would just encourage everybody to do that it's too easy i've heard more people say well i just don't listen to the news anymore my mother god love her was like that the news is too depressing right <laughs> it is but as christians right we are called to be in community exactly right jesus did not hang out with the movers and the shakers mm-hmm. he hung out with people who were marginalized who were Uh, Mm -hmm. exiled from their communities, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So we are called to get engaged in our communities if you consider yourself a Christian in a real meaningful way. So yes, my friend, find that thing that breaks your heart Mm -hmm. and do it. Right. 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 So I learned a long time ago I was not going to be the harvester. Mm -hmm. I was definitely the seed planter. Mm -hmm. And you have Mm -hmm. to go, you have to get okay with that. Yeah. It can be too intimidating when we think about well, you know, you know, and you said everything's so complex, I can't do anything. No, you can. And you were called to and you were put on this earth to do that thing. There you go. Preach, my friend. <laughs> Preach. Okay.
0: So Racial reconciliation is if it's not top of mind with you, it needs to be because I think our our country's at a real tipping point with that. So um, from your seat, you know, working with a lot of these organizations, help us understand us, people like me, you know, white SUV, suburban dwelling Americans. I think there's a lot of people like me, like you, that, that want to help in this, you know, very complex, again, it's a complex issue instead of just sitting on the sidelines. Can you just give, you know, just help us understand what we can be doing to help, to help improve the situation?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, that's, um, it's, it's a hard time right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, it's, it's just hard. Yeah. This is a reality. And I, can, I guess I can only speak from where I'm coming from, also white, also middle class, also living in the suburb. We have to start where our perspective is. So that's job one, is where do I, where do I sit? And I can only tell you about the work that, that I've done. I certainly don't consider myself an expert when it comes to um, race, equity, inclusion, and all of those uh, things. I can only tell you that um, a few years ago, I would have considered myself. Well, I'm I'm a really great person, and I'm not I'm not uh, prejudiced, and I'm certainly not racist, and I'm not this, and I'm not that. But um, I'm telling you, the Lord has really opened my eyes, uh, and I have seen how what I have said has harmed someone, mm-hmm. right? In a couple, you know, in a couple of different instances, and I'm really grateful. Uh, that that was shown to me uh, because it made me really do some soul searching mm-hmm. about who I am and how I, uh, how I speak to other people, how I do perceive other people. So I've been doing um, my personal work as well as work within clients, and by that I mean uh, reading and educating uh, myself about things that I did not know. Mm-hmm. So I was speaking to a, a friend of mine, um, Dr. Falami Prescott Adams, who's going to be a guest on my podcast oh. in the the next week, and she's been doing this uh, this uh, thing called listening for justice, mm-hmm. which is pretty fabulous. And Falami's amazing. Um, but I but I not only does it start from that personal space of doing your own self examination of your own biases, because as I have learned, we all have we them, all right? Whether we are mm-hmm. conscious yeah. of those or not, but then listening. Right? How can we listen better? How can we become uh, more aware of the situation? So if we look at things like health disparities or mental health, in pretty much any issue, there are racial disparities. Those things don't come by accident. It's, it's not uh, by accident that uh, more African-American babies die. Or there are more maternal deaths, or African Americans don't have access to medical care or mental health care, or are uh, incarcerated at higher rates. Those things don't come by accident. So once you do that self work, you need to do the awareness work. Mm-hmm. What really? What do people mean when they say systemic racism? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Rather than saying there's no such thing, get curious right right, Mm -hmm. and so uh, you know do the reading say yes to that training that your organization wants you to take Mm -hmm. and be open to having your heart and your mind opened Mm -hmm. in ways that maybe you didn't before
0: I think that's really good advice because I think uh so many of us are well intentioned, but we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing, so we don't say anything at all. You know, so that's that's a terrible position to be taking, right? To just be on the sidelines on this, afraid to, to speak, um, because I'm sure, you know, you never meant to offend. You know, it's it's. I think we're all on a big learning curve, right? Right, right. and that takes time. So I love right. your advice. To be curious and do the work. Right. Yeah. Because and when you know better, you do better. What? And I think most of us are in that. We don't, you know, we want to be helpful in this area and help, you know, have a, a groundswell of improvement. You know, it's, we've made progress, but we still have a long ways to go. Yeah. But it's going to take everybody.
1: Yeah, exa- exactly. And um, I think it's really important. So one of the... Um, The videos that I have seen recently, it's called Is Racism Real? So just Mm -hmm. take a look at that video. It's like three or four minutes long, and it has um, a a white young man and a black young man, and it just kind of goes kind of their day and what they experience. So Mm -hmm. do things like that. You you can read books. You can do all of those things, but visuals are so – Awesome. And then there's another video and I don't know if you've seen it because you're a marketing person by um, Procter and Gamble. Have you seen it? It's like why it's called widen the lens. Um, and that's a really great short advertisement. And it, it starts with it's a young um, black uh, man and he's knocking on an apartment door. And then it's kind of leaves you there. Right. And then it shows an, a young African American woman and she's pregnant. She's got a couple toddlers and it leaves you there. And through the advertisement, it goes back and forth between these different scenes. Well, the young man is going to a family birthday party. The young woman is waiting on her husband to drive the minivan up to pile the family in. Right? So it gets at that unconscious bias that we actually do have, that we actually hold. And that's what I mean by starting kind of doing that self-examination. So whether that be books or videos or there's a great movie called The Talk, Mm -hmm. um, that I, that I, that I, uh, found very impactful. So there's lots of ways that we can kind of open up our mind.
0: Well, and I've, I've heard a lot of talk on, you know, and how do we begin to bridge the divide that exists in this country? And a lot is diversifying your friend base. Yes. Both racially and politically. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you only associate with same-same, it becomes an echo chamber. Right. You know? And we we just need to be comfortable with being okay with disagreements. Absolutely. You know? Because yeah. I think we're just... And I I think social media has definitely inflamed the situation because everybody's got a microphone and they're just, they're going to use, they're going to respond. They're not going to, they're not going to sit on it and, you know, give a civil response. It's going to be a knee jerk reaction, which is never a good thing. So, you know, people, you know, pull it back. Just, you know, and, and if you are a person of faith, you should not be acting like that. Right. Right. Cause it's all about mm-hmm. love your neighbor and love one another.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you're talking about social media. Cause I was, I just had a flash like, okay, I have been defriended by, um, at least one of my siblings <laughs> and, 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 a, and, a really good, uh, you know, and really, um, good, the main, the, the person that was best man at our wedding of all things that happened a few years ago. So, you know, to your point, we've become so divided. We don't even know how to talk to each other, but my kids were raised. They know that any, anything goes at our table. There is Mm -hmm. nothing that they can't, um, talk about mm-hmm. they but they better back it up so my middle kid who knows everything <laughs> about everything um, always has so he keeps me on my toes all the time yeah so I'm forever like after like checking that fact or whatever because I need to like keep up with him and we definitely disagree on you know politics but again as long as you did it respectfully now do you am can. I am I perfect no There may have been a time a few years ago when I lost it with a particular friend over a particular issue. Um, It was not one of my finer moments. Um, But yeah, I mean, we've lost that ability to um, disagree in an agreeable way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Finding common ground has become a bad thing, Mm -hmm. right? Which is why nothing gets done and why people get so frustrated politically because we're not demanding that we all find the common ground what can we agree now there's some things we can't agree on and as a christian i think we are called to also call people accountable mm-hmm. when there is out and out racism Absolutely. when there are things that are just blatantly mm-hmm. unkind or cruel we are as Christians called to love, mm-hmm. and you, as a, as a Christian, have an obligation to speak up. Right. You have to have courage, and you have to have speak. Mm-hmm. You have to speak up.
0: But those political filters can kind of get in the way
1: of that, right? Well, I well in the case that I'm thinking about, um, I don't think it was a political filter. Mean is mean. Mean is mean. I'll, I will yeah. call somebody out on the left and the right because mean is mean. And we're
0: better than that. I hope so. You know, mean is never acceptable. Exactly, and 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 especially to strangers. You know, be nice, people. Be kind. You know,
1: it's funny you should say that because I was at um, an outdoor, very nice outdoor mall that we both live close to, and uh, <laughs> I'm there shopping with my I youngest, don't... and we're walking. And I hear somebody like yelling and screaming. And this man um, was lit- was literally j- jumping in somebody else's car saying, you don't know how to drive, you know, all sorts of expletives, blah, blah, blah. I, I guess the person maybe didn't see him in the crosswalk. I don't really know what happened, but it was so out of hand and so ugly in this public space. And I, I walked on by, and then I thought, should I have stopped? Should I have said anything?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that a place where you get involved or... It's a scary, a little bit violent world that we live in right now. But I had that moment like, oh, is this one of the times when I should have said something? Because they had clearly just lost lost it. But to me, it's all about, um, I don't know, the place I've landed is just love. Mm-hmm. God is love. And Jesus was brought here to teach us how to love, right? Then... Um, are we loving more? Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line to me. Right. So my uh, spiritual re- director told me years ago, um, you'll know you're growing as a Christian if you look at Galatians, if you look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and can ask yourself, am I, uh, am I being more gentle? Am I being more kind? Am mm-hmm. I, am I, am I living with more love and more joy? Now my husband mm-hmm. will tell you I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> He'll probably well, tell you about that yeah. yesterday. So I'm not saying I'm perfect, but we are called to perfection
0: mm-hmm.
1: by the only one who was perfect, exactly.
0: And we're all a work in progress, for sure. So um, you you just like led right into this um, right into this next question because Andy Stanley's sermon yesterday for the Fourth of July it was all about bridging the gap, becoming united again. So he said, he challenged us with this beauty, loan your strength to someone you disagree with. Don't miss that opportunity. And he also talked about the importance of kindness and humility in moving to help bridge that gap. Let's talk a little bit more about that.
1: Okay, help me, because I didn't hear the, the sermon. What does he mean by loan someone you disagree with your strength?
0: I, I think in a situation when we disagree with somebody, we we rise up to show our strength mm-hmm. right in an effort to squash the other person right. But I think it's it's upside down living.
1: Yeah, And maybe it's letting them you know be in that space and speak their their, their whatever it is they need to say and not think about the hundred arguments that I have. To answer back for that just let them be it's re- and it's it's hard it's hard um I think in our families right now I told you about you know my sibling who defriended me on Facebook right so um you know it's really hard to create that space and I think um the, the um more strident that's coming back to you or more inappropriate I've seen some very interesting flags mm-hmm. out where I live 12 miles from here um the harder that is coming at you, the harder it is to allow that space mm-hmm. and to be curious about why that person believes what they are. And I don't know what to tell you other than uh, I try to pray before I speak. I'm not always very successful mm-hmm. at it. Maybe if more of us create that calm, peaceful mm-hmm. space, we will. that will start resonating. Well, and. This is totally not related, but
0: kind of. Um, so our puppy breeder was over, and she was talking about puppy behavior, and she talked about when they get into the red zone, when they get so whipped up, they get in the red zone, and th- there's like, there's no training. There's, they're just, you know, they're like, they're not paying attention. And I think people get in that red zone too when that, mm-hmm. when that adrenaline gets right. pumping and they you know you lose your sanity. And that's probably what you witnessed at the outdoor mm-hmm. mall. Somebody right. was in that red zone. Right, exactly. You were wise in and not, and not interjecting yourself in that mm-hmm. situation because that could have gone bad. Mm-hmm. So it's how do we, you know, I think by loaning somebody your strength in a situation where you are in disagreement... Mm-hmm you're not rising up to, to do battle. You're right. You're working to, to be strong and listen and
1: right. Yeah. It, that, uh, yeah. That makes me think about, um, you know, Falami again and her listening for justice, because one of the things that they do before any of the, um, the facilitation they do is to have that moment, that quiet where you do that check in mm-hmm. in your body and come to that calm, right space whether that be prayer or deep breathing or Mm -hmm. whatever it is it's hard to do that Mm -hmm. unless we teach ourselves to do that and again I'm certainly not perfect in that department but I do try to pay attention when my body is telling me I'm angry or nervous or defensive or Mm -hmm. whatever it is Mm -hmm. I'm feeling because of what's coming back at me that we have to and maybe that's what Andy meant mm-hmm. by that. We've got right. to come it's to that. Like a Calm reset. Space. I think yeah.
0: reset is another good word that I like because you, yeah, you can physically feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, respiration goes up, right. palms get sweaty. Right. Nothing, nothing good is going to come right. of that. Yeah,
1: it's like hit pause, right? Hit reset, breathe, people, right? And people are so angry right now. I don't know if you're seeing it, but that, I certainly see that in in oh, the work that I do. People totally. are very angry. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard not to feel that in your body and then Mm -hmm. have that come out in your, you know, response. And certainly out in communities, I hear a lot of things that make my, you know, my hair curl. Um, So I do, you know, but you have to, and maybe that's part of where my therapy training comes in, to just kind of accept people where they are, Mm -hmm. but help them move a little bit, open their mind a little bit. Think about that maybe in a in a different way Mm -hmm. and I love you know that
0: establishing a safe zone like you've done around your kitchen table this is a safe zone here you know everything is on the table and I think we just need to create more of those safe zones to have these difficult conversations it's like I'm not I'm not going to cancel you I'm not going to bite your head off if I disagree with you you know I'm Mm -hmm. really I really want to know where you're coming from right exactly yeah. I can't fix it, but I do I do want to understand.
1: Right. Well, I think when we start listening for that understanding that we are on the way to fixing it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get anywhere in this country if we don't start doing that mm-hmm. in a way that is more effective. And Have you ever read the Malcolm Gladwell book called Blink?
0: I haven't read that one. Read yeah. a couple of his others, and I'm I'm just paraphrasing. It's like in the blink of an eye, we we kind of look at a person and we we come up with this person's this or that or this. You right. know, we 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 all do it. Yeah, and that's pretty dangerous because you you don't you don't know. <laughs> you know, it's right. like I just think we're not giving people a chance for you know. It's like the first little thing that we hear out of their mouth that we disagree with. It's like no, it can't be with them. They're Democrat or they're Republican. It's like, we just got to stop that. I mean, diversity is what has always made this country so great. Always. America is the only true melting pot. I mean, to me, that's that's the strength of, it's always been our strength.
1: Yeah, exactly. It makes me think back when you said, well, you know, how diverse is our our friend group—that's certainly something I've been thinking about. We certainly make choices when we where we live. We know that redlining really did happen, and that has a lot to do with why people live and why we are so um, segregated. Um, was it Martin Luther King who said, "You know, Sunday was the most segregated day in America"? That's mm. really true. And then the other thing I thought about as you were think, as you were talking just now is I had an image of um, a friend of mine who talks about going into an elevator, and she's she's a, an African American woman, and she says she has noticed that people will like will pull their purse in, and she said um, she goes, "What people don't understand is I'm afraid. As a black woman, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. I have another um, friend of mine, and I've, I think I've told this story before where." Um, she has been asked in the grocery store more than once whether or not she had enough money to pay for her groceries. Mm. Have you ever been asked that? <laughs> no. No, not, neither have I, right? So again, it's that kind of those unconscious bias, those things that our um, African American friends, our black friends go through every day that we cannot even relate to. So how can we seek to understand? You know? Yeah.
0: So there's a new church that has opened in Atlanta, Hillsong. Oh yeah. Hillsong ATL and we went to the grand opening and it was the diversity in that church was it was so awesome and we we will be going on occasion cuz it's a, l- a little bit of a haul to get there. Sam Collier is pastor. I know him. He's unbelievable, dynamic, young African-American. But in that first service, he was talking about Atlanta and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and how civil rights, this has always been the heartbeat of civil mm-hmm. rights. And he, he stated, that's his church. That's what, it's going to be the, the people of faith who really help mm-hmm help this issue, help this, you know, this fractured part of our country. So I'm excited to be a part of that and to be a part of what they're doing Mm -hmm. in terms of helping bridge that gap. Yeah, that's awesome. It's going to be the people of faith. It's not going to be the politicians. Mm -hmm. They're not fixing much of anything these
1: days. Well, yeah, and and we elect them. So we need to elect people who are uh, bringing us together and who are helping us to find that common ground and that common space and helping us to live up to be the country that we were really meant to be. Exactly,
0: exactly. Okay, my friends, so in a recent blog post, you indicated you were on a journey to learn how we talk to those with whom we disagree. So how's that going?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, (laughs) um, some days better than others, to tell you the truth, for all of the reasons why, you know, that we've talked about, right? So I'm trying to learn how to do that you know, listening to my body and creating that, that, that space, I fail on any given day. Um, Mm -hmm. I do. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's really hard. Yeah. So I don't know what to say other than sometimes I think I do. What prompted that? The thinking that I already was doing um one of the one of the organizations one of the clients that I work with was already doing a lot of race equity inclusion work and then COVID happened and then George Floyd happened and then Ahmaud Aubrey happened and so it just really got me thinking about um who I am as a professional, who I am as a psychologist, who I am as a leader, uh, an entrepreneur. My tagline is partnering for social change. So I did a lot of thinking about what that really means. What would that really look like if we leaned into that work, Mm -hmm. that everything we do had to have a community focus. And I realized um, that uh, how much I hate conflict Mm-hmm. which is all about my white privilege, right? It's, it's very convenient for me to say, well, I don't like conflict, right? Um, well, who does? Yeah, well, yeah, some people can't avoid it, is my point. So um, it's just doing a lot of soul searching and yeah, I got to get over that. I've got to pick and choose my battles. I don't want to battle, but if I have to battle, what you know, how do I do that in a mm-hmm. way that is meaningful? So I don't know, Rena, I'm still working on it. Still working on it. And I think I'll be working on it forever.
0: Well, it's not easy. And I know I'm definitely conflict averse. I used to avoid conflict at all, at all costs, just the way I was raised, kind of my temperament. But um, working at an addiction recovery support center, being around people in recovery, you know, that is, you know, becoming more transparent, having those difficult conversations. I'm really working on, on doing that as well. But it's it's not it's not easy by no. any means.
1: No, it's really not and I think just the fact that we admit that that having hard conversations is difficult. Right. If you are 100% secure in everything you're saying, then conversation is not difficult cuz it's it's not a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a diatribe. Right. Right. When you're really listening for understanding, it is difficult. It is. And it's going to be difficult. It's like egos in control <laughs>
0: when you're talking to somebody who has all the answers. Yeah. We yeah, gotta let that point. go. We gotta let that go. If ego, if ego's controlling the conversation, you're not gonna get anywhere with anybody. Right. Yep. You know, so you have to have to kind of create that safe space. In order to dialogue and to, to be in kind of the, the proper relationship. Mm-hmm. Um
1: Yeah. And well, and you know, just thinking about relationships, that's really so important. I mean, that's certainly something that I try to do when I'm connecting with clients is, and we live in the South, right? So in the South, you would never just get to business, right? You're (laughs) going to connect with that person, you got to chat, you got, how's your family? What (laughs) church do you go to? You know, uh, whatever. Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's got to be some of that before (laughs) you even get to the hard work. So you know, building that relationship is really important. Are you going to be able to have this hard conversation with every person you meet? No. Would I have that? Would I be able to have that conversation with the person who was losing it a few weeks ago? Probably not. Um, But your husband would be like,
0: and come on.
1: (laughs) He wasn't, he wasn't there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so I'm so proud of you and your new
1: podcast that you've recently launched well thank you 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 gave me a lot of good advice i appreciate that oh
0: well it's i knew i knew you would fly with just a a little bit of a little bit of coaching and prayer and tell us more about about the podcast dan
1: yeah so the podcast is called um community possibilities so yeah you helped me like brainstorm names we had to really kind of work at that but uh it's all about me having conversations with people who are in the community really doing this kind of Love work. It. So I've talked to uh, so good. fellow community psychologists. I've uh, talked to community activists, public health experts, nonprofit leaders, all of all of the things. Um, I'm very well... Uh, came into it with the idea that I don't want to hear myself talk. If anything, uh, as I get older and more experienced, I have gotten to a very humble place. Like there's just so much I don't know. So I'm going into this not feeling like I'm the expert, but I want to talk to people who are in the expert, uh, who are Mm. the experts doing the hard work to change their community. So that's really the goal is to just to have conversations about What's going on in communities? What's working well? What challenges do you have? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll see where it goes. Yeah, we'll
0: ch- we'll check it out because I think it's, um, you know, your um, range of people that you interview it's so vast, and you can learn so much. And you know, you're not your target audience is not your fellow peers who are community and evaluators. I mean, not at all. Everybody can learn from.
1: Right. Yeah. And yeah. That, my target is really uh, my audience is really people who are working in the community. So community coalition leaders, collaborative leaders, uh, nonprofit leaders, foundation folks. Definitely not people who are doing evaluation. We hardly ever was hardly ever talk about evaluation. It's really what that work uh, looks like in communities and some of the challenges that they have, and hopefully some of the successes that other people can can learn from. It- Exactly,
0: exactly. Because I think, and that's kind of another thing with nonprofits is, is, you know, they're small, they're doing good work in their communities, but you have a lot of those everywhere kind of doing similar things. So to be able to share best practices to inspire possibility, um, there's this great organization in Nashville called Corner to Corner.
1: Mm-hmm. I, you, yeah, you. I think yeah. I listened to your podcast with them.
0: Uh-huh. And what they're doing? Oh, it's so awesome! So check them out, Corner to Corner dot org, and they have um, they do training for. Uh, minority entrepreneurs in terms of, you know, giving them coaching and classes on how to how to develop their businesses. Mm-hmm. And just the um the success stories and like the, the graduates are coming back to help the, the you know, the people that are in the program. I mean, it's just really so cool. I yeah, mean, every, I love that episode, by the way. Yeah, they are really, really awesome people. But it's like, Every community needs something right. like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's, it's the nonprofits and a lot of times the churches that, again, stand in the gap to figure out, you know, where what needs to be done here and what mm-hmm. can I do? Right, exactly. It was a very, very small grassroots founding, you know, that um, Will and his wife moved to the inner city and just, you know, figured it out as mm-hmm. they went along. Right. Sometimes it just... Right, and they did it with, the community exactly. They didn't. They, they didn't say we have all the yeah, answers. Exactly. They, you know, they put toys on the front step and said, "Come, you know, right.
1: Let's yeah. be friends first. And that's yeah. what you have to do. That's exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Right.
0: Okay. So complete the sentence, Doctor Price. In order to make a difference in the world, you must first love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Enough said. Enough said. Okay, so the word relevate means to inspire or restore to good spirits. So, close us out on this very special and informative episode about community possibilities.
1: Community possibility is all about imagining
0: what it would be
1: like if we all came together. If we really learned how to listen and really came together to solve problems and to manifest that love what does that really look like when we really love our neighbor that's community possibilities Mm -hmm. to me that's that's relevate that's doing all of those things and it's a hard hard thing but i think that is i know that's what we're called to do put a bow on it (laughs) Dr. Ann Price. You are wonderful. Keep
0: up with the great, great work. This has just been so awesome to have this time together. And I know people are really going to enjoy this conversation. So, how can people connect with you?
1: They can uh, check out my Twitter feed. It's AW Price. Oh, you're on Twitter. I am on Twitter. Uh, Hold your uh, nose when you go on Twitter. Well, golly, gee, is it Ann W. Price or AW Price? Lord have mercy. I'm going to have to send you that link. Uh, okay community possibilities is the yeah check the show notes uh community possibilities is the podcast community i'm also on facebook at community evaluation solutions uh, and um to, to find out more about the bread on instagram <laughs> yeah yeah exactly only follow me on instagram at this point if you want to check out my sourdough bread uh yeah and what's your instagram handle do you know uh gosh i don't know Probably Ann W. Price. Probably <laughs> that tells you how 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 much I'm on Instagram. I'm more of a stalker on yeah. Instagram than I am. It's fun.
0: I'm having fun with like the the reels and the stories and you know when you can just kind of add music and
1: gifts and make it fun. Yeah. Am I the only one that think, thinks that social media is just like there's always one more new thing, right? Always. Not, not doing Something tick- else to learn. Not doing TikTok, Rena. No. Not doing it. Me neither <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so
0: much okay. for having me it was fun let's go meet the puppy all right awesome okay. I hope you were taking notes on this one it was truly an educational episode designed to enlighten and hopefully inspire you to get involved to serve and love more our communities need us now more than ever no question the problems are complex let's not turn a blind eye or simply complain to our echo chambers Let's get going and be people of love and action. I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate.